The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your top five at five. We begin with stocks trying to stage a bit of a comeback, the Dow having its longest weekly losing streak in months. However, right now, futures are higher. But any gains, they may be short-lived. A new market warning from investor Jim Chanos on the recent pop in tech stocks, why he says... He's not sold just yet. And speaking of tech, shares of NVIDIA surging as the chipmaker's AI bets get set to shift into high gear. We have a closer look coming up. Plus, one year on. Our week-long look at the war in Ukraine continues with an eye on the upheaval in the global food markets and what a second year of this conflict could mean for you. And then later, Disney and its fight with Pelt. That may be over, but another company's proxy war, it has just begun. It is Thursday, February 23rd. 2023, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning and welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I am Frank Holland. Thanks for joining us this morning. Let's kick off the hour with a check on U.S. stock futures. After a bit of a mixed day for the major averages, this saw the Dow post its second down day in a row on track for its longest weekly losing streak since May. Right now, futures, as we mentioned before, they are solidly in the green. Right now, if the Dow opened up right now, it could open up just about 100 points higher However, it's very early in the trading day. We also want to check on the bond market with the five and the 10 year yield trading at their highest level since November. Right now, we're looking at the five year note at 4.14, the two year note at 4.07, uh, 4.706, excuse me. The 10 year note, however, at 3.939. This is about 40 to 50 basis points higher than we started the year. This has been on a steady incline throughout the year. Uh, we're going to have much more on what this rate shock means for the U.S. housing market. That's going to come up later on this hour with our Robert Frank. All right, looking at energy as well, the weakness in oil, that continues right now. We're looking at WTI at 74 bucks a barrel, lower than we saw yesterday. However, up fractionally this morning, Brent crude at about 81 bucks a barrel, also up fractionally this morning. And turn our attention to the crypto market that, as you know, trades all around the clock. Looking at crypto right now, we're seeing Bitcoin still below that 25,000 mark. That seems to have new meaning for crypto right now, up 2% this morning. Ether up 3%. And down here, Solana also up 3%. We're seeing a steady rise in Solana ever since a big crash following the SBF uh, arrest and trial and everything else that's going on, on surrounding FTX. All right, time now for a check on this morning's top corporate stories. Our Silvana Hanau is there with those. Good morning, Silvana. Hey, Frank, good morning. Well, the Justice Department is closing in on Google Maps business. Reports this morning, antitrust officials have been meeting with the competition and Google's own customers in recent weeks to choose the best witnesses for a potential lawsuit targeting its dominant position in the space. Political reports, more meetings are scheduled in the coming weeks, with a lawsuit likely coming before the end of this year. Dan Loeb's third point is launching a proxy fight against Bath & Body Works to address what the activist investor says is excessive executive pay and lagging financial performance. Third point, which first disclosed a stake of more than 6% back in December, says it plans to nominate candidates for the company's board, including at least one shareholder representative. 
And Wells Fargo is laying off hundreds of mortgage bankers as part of a sweeping round of cuts triggered by the company's recent strategic shift. The layoffs were announced earlier this week and are impacting some of the bank's top producers, including those who surpassed $100 million in loan volumes in the past year, Frank. That's a story we'll certainly be following yeah. throughout the day. Savannah Hanau, we'll see you later on in the That's show. Good. All right, let's get to this morning's big stock mover. That's NVIDIA surging on an upbeat forecast, heavily focused on AI. Executives on the call last night saying the company will accelerate its AI focus by, quote, a million percent. Huge recovery in gaming as well. CNBC tech reporter Arjun Kapal joins us now with much more on this story. Good morning, Arjun. Good morning, Frank. Well, it's certainly uh, NVIDIA getting caught up in this AI hype we're seeing with ChatGPT, company bidding on the top and bottom line. But it was really that forecast that got investors excited. Uh, company saying it's uh, seeing Q1 sales of 6.5 billion US dollars ahead of consensus. One of the big bright spots was around the data center business. Now, this includes uh, chips for AI applications, revenue up 11% in that division year on year. Jensen Huang, the CEO, talking a lot about Chat. GPT about the AI chatbot popularity. He announced plans also to say sell AI services directly to consumers via cloud uh, computing companies as well. NVIDIA's GPU chips, of course, very key to AI applications. And uh, you saw there its AI chips offsetting some of that weak PC demand we've seen. The company at this point feels AI is going to be key for future growth over the coming quarters and certainly years. And Yensen Huang, the CEO of NVIDIA, addressed that on the earnings call. Here's what he had to say. The accumulation of technology breakthroughs has brought AI to an inflection point. Generative AI's versatility and capability has triggered a sense of urgency at enterprises around the world to develop and deploy AI strategies. Another bright spot really was the gaming division, while revenues fell 46% year on year because it shipped fewer chips to console makers, in particular the Nintendo Switch. The company did say that gaming is recovering from its post-pandemic downturn, so that was clearly a positive. But NVIDIA, as I mentioned, getting a big tailwind here from the AI hype going on. Investors are betting that NVIDIA's chips and, of course, its software are going to be key to AI applications in the future, Frank. Yeah, NVIDIA definitely uh, surging a lot when it comes to AI. Another question. They talk a lot about that new GeForce product that they're doing with Microsoft. Yeah, that was a fascinating deal actually announced uh, this week. I was in Brussels when that deal was announced. And this is part of Microsoft's bid to show regulators that it's willing to work with other companies uh, in pursuit of this Activision takeover. Now, this could also be a big positive for NVIDIA because GeForce is what they call a cloud gaming platform, effectively a Netflix-style gaming platform. You pay a monthly subscription and you get access to a bank of many different games. Now, the success of these cloud gaming platforms are very much going to depend on the titles, the games they can offer customers. And, of course, by uh, Microsoft bringing it, all of its titles onto NVIDIA's GeForce platform, that does make NVIDIA's cloud gaming product a lot more attractive for consumers. The company says it's got about 25 million members at the moment on GeForce now and clearly it's hoping to boost that as well. So very big uh, deal here and Microsoft did say that if that Activision Blizzard deal does close it would also bring those Activision titles onto NVIDIA's GeForce Now platform as well. Again, would be a big boost for the company if that does happen and will certainly boost NVIDIA's competitiveness in the gaming market as it takes on the likes of Sony and others as well. Arjun, great stuff as always. Great to see you. NVIDIA shares up 53% year-to-date. Big moves there. Thanks for being here.
All right, turn our attention back to the broader markets and the rally to start this trading year. Losing a bit of steam recently, although the Nasdaq and growth names still holding up pretty strong. But speaking with CNBC yesterday, noted short seller Jim Chanos, he questioned the catalyst fueling the market's rise year to date. We continue to see rallies being led by lower quality stocks. That was certainly the case in January, um, similar to October, similar to August, similar to last March. Um, and so uh, we get these these sort of relief rallies. Uh, people cover shorts, uh, chase momentum, and uh, and then things uh, sort of sort themselves out. All right. For much more on this, let's welcome in Max Wasserman, founder and senior portfolio manager at Miramar Capital. Max, good morning. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Good morning. All right. So we just heard those Chano's comments. He's saying it's lower quality stocks leading to a lot of this rally. He believes it's a combination of short selling and a couple other factors. Uh, you heard what he said. What's your take on the rally that we're seeing so far this year, especially when it comes to tech? And are those comments, are they kind of influencing or are they similar to what you're also thinking about these tech stocks? Sure. What we see happening is the, the market has been bullying the Fed to try to cut interest rates or at least slow it down and look for a reversal the second half of the year. And I think that's what's been fueling this market in the last month and a half has been the fact that expectation of a reversal in monetary policy. And when you have that, you have momentum chasing these high growth stocks and you see the lower quality stocks starting to perform better. For us, we don't agree with that. We think there's plenty of uh, information out there that leads the Fed to believe that they need to stay on the course, still continue to tighten interest rates. And we think the Nasdaq's ahead of itself along with these lower quality growth stocks. We think interest rates will stay on a higher trajectory longer, and then market needs to react accordingly. Well, it sounds like you were really fond of those, fond, those Fed minutes that came out yesterday, because in those minutes, the members said they believe ongoing hikes will be necessary. The markets, they had a bit of a mixed response yesterday. The S&P fractionally lower, the Nasdaq fractionally higher. Is what you heard at all changing how you balance portfolios or your thoughts about bonds? Well, for us, we're more long-term dividend growth investors. We do invest heavily in bonds as well. But it's not going to change our point of view because we believe the Fed's going to stay the course. Now, if the Fed, we thought, was going to do a complete reversal, then we would probably uh, add a little bit more, as they call alpha, a little bit more aggressive into the portfolio, dividend, dividend growth-wise. That being said, we don't see it. We think the Fed is telling us that with higher retail spending, lowest employment rate, uh, you know, lowest unemployment rate in, since in 53 years, they're still seeing wage inflation. So the Fed's going to continue. We think that's going to put pressure on higher growth stocks. It actually, I think, will benefit the dividend growth payers more because you're getting cash flow now that you'll be able to reinvest at a higher interest rate. So we think the Fed, from our perspective, is doing the right thing and we're, we're investing accordingly. You know, you're emphasizing you're a dividend-focused investor. So I want to ask you about two stocks yesterday that had some pretty big dividend news. Deere raising its dividend, Intel slashing its dividend by 66%. Just for all of our audience out here, as a dividend-focused investor, how does that uh, shape your, your perception of these different stocks? Well, it's a great question. We look at these companies and capital allocation strategies. So when we see companies expressing that they're going to cut or may cut their interest, uh, their dividends, or they're lowering their dividend growth rate substantially, we're going to look to exit the company. If they do a hard cut like uh, Intel did, we're gone. We do not invest in companies that completely eradicate their dividend the way Intel is doing it. You know, there's profit margin issues. There's volatility in their earnings. And the fact is they're not committed to the shareholders. It's a very capital-intensive business, Intel. And the payout ratio was 80%. So we knew they were being hurt hard. 
Deer, on the other hand, we look for companies that um, like a deer that have a lower payout ratio, increasing the uh, rate of growth in their dividends. So it's completely different. But we have a hard and fast rule. If you cut your dividend, we're gone. Because that tells us that you have a long way to go to climb yourself out of the mess you put yourself into. And these capital-intensive companies cannot operate with an 80% payout ratio and volatile earnings and keep up with the dividend. So that scares us. And we go to the sidelines immediately on a dividend cut like that. All right, Max, we got to get going, but we got to have a rule here on WEX. You got to give us one pick. Give us one pick of a great dividends paying stock that you would invest in today, right now. Oh, wow. There's, there's several of them. I think, you know, we like, we like healthcare. Abby's, Abby, the healthcare company, has done extremely well. Okay. It's going through Just America. one. Just one. We like, we would say healthcare. We like Abby. Abby, I like that pick. Max Wasserman, Miramar Capital. Thank you very much for being here. Appreciate your time. All right, we Thank come you. back Have here on Worldwide Exchange. It's not just NVIDIA. A lot more big money movers to get to, including a rough report for Lucid Motors, plus massive state tax cuts. They may be helping the middle class bottom lines, but others are warning of a financial reckoning. If the economy slows down, our Robert Frank is here to break it all down. And later, Alibaba earnings on tap. And with the stock up more than 20% since December, why now may be the time to buy into China. A very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns. Stay with us. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. All right, welcome back to WEX. Time now for your big money movers, one of my favorite segments. First up, we have Etsy. Shares are up right now after fourth quarter earnings missed estimates, but revenue beat on forecast on strong demand for home goods, clothes, jewelry, and accessories. The arts and crafts marketplace expects first quarter revenue to be in the range of $600 million to $640 million. Analysts are projecting just about $621 million. Shares up almost 6% eBay's fourth quarter profit fell due to a strain on consumer spending in the company's largest markets. That includes the U.S. and Europe. Results did still beat forecasts, and eBay's first quarter revenue outlook is also above expectations. But it's warning. Demand will likely decline in the first half of 2023, and it's not providing guidance for the full year. Shares are down 5%. Finally, Lucid. Shares of the electric car maker are dropping big, down 8% after it reported a smaller fourth quarter loss, but its sales missed estimates. Lucid also posted a major drop in orders amid weakening demand, and it expects to produce 10 to 14,000 cars this year, well below what analysts were projecting. Lucid has been hit by ab- aggressive price cuts by their bigger rivals, Tesla and Ford. All right, coming up here on WEX, dairy versus oats. The milk war is just heating up, a potential diabetes breakthrough on the Apple Watch and the rate risk crushing the U.S. housing market the most in decades. Your top trending stories ahead. When Wex returns, stay with us. 
people today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. They see a window of opportunity for equity markets to rebound. Let's go to work. Countdown to the opening bell. important hour of trading starts right now. Where do you want to be in a still cautious and uncertain environment? And welcome back to WEX. That was just a sneak peek at the new CNBC programming lineup. Big changes here, including this show, of course, and even more reasons to live ambitiously. All right, let's get a check on this morning's other headlines. NBC's Philip Mena is in New York with the very latest. Good morning, Philip. Hi, Frank. Good morning. The suspect in a series of shootings in Orlando has been captured. Police arrested Keith Melvin Moses after three people were killed in three separate incidents. The rampage started yesterday morning when a woman in her 20s was shot and killed. Hours later, a spectrum reporter covering that murder was shot along with his colleague. That suspect then entered a home and shot a mother and her nine-year-old girl. Both the reporter and the nine-year-old died. We're getting our closest look yet at that Chinese spy balloon that was shot down earlier this month. This photo here was taken from a U-2 spy plane as the pilot tracked it over the central U.S. The spy balloon flew across the country before it was shot down off of the East Coast and later recovered by the military. And finally, this morning, millions are still under winter alerts from that massive cross-country storm. Out west, blizzard warnings were issued for the mountain regions of northern Los Angeles County for the first time in over 30 years. The severe weather is snarling travel with more than 2,700 flights canceled on Wednesday and more than 6,400 delayed. And today, already over 1,300 flights grounded and more than 3,700 delays. In Minnesota, there were hundreds of crashes, cars sliding off roadways. So it's important. Please, please try to stay safe out there. Frank, yeah, back to absolutely. You. Winter weather can be very dangerous. Philip, thank you very much. Great to see you. All right, turn our attention back to your money and the main reason the U.S. economy appears to be holding up so well consumer spending and lower taxes. But now experts are warning a Fed induced economic slowdown could have some very expensive ramifications. Robert Frank joins us now with much more on this story. Good morning, Robert. Good morning, Frank. Well, 43 states have provided tax relief over the past two years. That has put tens of billions of dollars into the pockets of consumers. But now the question is, what happens when many of those tax checks start to run out? Now, of those 43 states that provided some form of relief, 21 cut their income tax rates. Iowa is one of the biggest, cutting its rate 
from 8.5% to a flat tax of 3.9%, so a big cut for them. Georgia going from a top rate of 5.75% to a flat tax of 4.99. About a dozen states are considering new tax cuts just this year. Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont is pushing the state's biggest tax cut ever, a $600 million package cutting rates for those making less than $100,000 a year by up to one whole percentage point. Now, most of these tax cuts were one-offs like rebate checks or gas tax holidays, even grocery tax holidays. Now, since they're not likely to be repeated this year, that tax windfall to consumers may start to fade. California, which sent out checks of over $1,000 last year, is now projecting a budget deficit of over thirty. Billion dollars. So, Frank, all this was easy to do when states were getting hundreds of billions of dollars in federal aid. Now that aid has run out, the economy is slowing. The question is, what happens if there's a slowdown and this money that has helped consumers so much starts to fade? Yeah, huge swing there for California. You go from sending people a check to a budget deficit. So, I think that the natural yeah. question here is, are states preparing for a slowdown? Yeah, great point and great to mention California. California had been projecting, you know, eternal revenues based on that incredible performance in the stock market in 2021 and the first part of 2022. But, you know, they're unlikely to see that. Now, what's good about the states going into what could be a slowdown is that combined they have rainy day funds of over $130 billion that they've saved, they've pocketed away so that if, if there is a slowdown, and a big drop in revenue, they have that. But if it's a severe and sudden slowdown, that could vanish quickly, and they may regret some of these tax cuts. Wow. A lot going on in the post-COVID United States, Robert Frank. Thanks for being here. Great report as always. All right, straight ahead. Take away the nap pods and the ping pong tables while the new look of Google's corporate offices are starting to look just a little bit more cramped. And if you haven't already, follow the podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps and Worldwide Exchange. We'll be right back. It is right around 5.30 a.m. here in New York, and we're just getting started here on Wex. Here is what's still on deck. Stock seeking some fresh momentum as 2023's early rally, it stumbles. The one sector, however, we're going to show you that's quietly trucking along to start the year. The invasion of Ukraine one year on. Our week-long look dives into Europe's breadbasket and how Russia's invasion has upended the global food supply. And going, going back, back to Cali. Elon Musk and California's governor just putting aside their bad blood, coming together as Musk debuts what he's calling a new headquarters for Tesla in the Golden State despite a very long list of criticism. It is Thursday, February the 23rd. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome back. I'm Frank Holland. Thanks for waking up with Wex. Let's kick things off with the check on futures. After that mixed day for the markets yesterday, right now we're seeing futures solidly in the green. We're seeing the S&P up more than a half a percent. The Nasdaq up about a third of a percent right now. We also want to watch the bond market with the five and 10 year yield hovering at their highest level since November. Currently right now, we're seeing the two year note at 4.7. The five-year note at 4.15, the 10-year note at 3.94. We've steadily seen that yield creep up during the year, especially over the last month. All right, right now, we want to turn our attention to the state of freight. Right now, we're looking at stocks in the industrial trucking market, including ArcBest. This is a name that's just booming over the last month or so, 
up almost 19 percent. It's just one of those trucking names that's booming as investors. They're just trying to figure out if the freight market has hit a bottom and if that secular switch to larger inventories will continue. Industrial trucking rates are down 74 percent year over year, but they're up more than 20 percent from their pre-pandemic levels on the spot market. CEOs tell me the contract rates, they are even higher. Other beneficiaries of this trend, they include Hub Group, TFI International, Old Dominion, and Saya. Many U.S. companies, especially in the manufacturing space, are switching to just-in-case inventory from just-in-time. That translates to carrying more inventory and relying less on shipments to keep manufacturing going. It's a trend that Evercore ISI sees lasting into next year. Recency bias is, is very strong. Um, so when we think about 2023, we're still close enough to the disruptions of 2020, 21, 22, and there will be more elevated inventories for a just-in-case you know, type of mindset. Probably the same thing in 24. All right. According to data from the ISM Manufacturing Index, that increased inventory holding, it started right around mid-2022. You can see the spike right there, and the trend seems to be continuing into this year. Another secondary factor in the inventory buildup is nearshoring, but again, that's secondary. However, transport's names tied to consumer spending underperforming over the last month. That includes warehouse giant Prologis and Textainer. That's a company that makes containers for overseas shipping. All right, let's get over to some of the morning's top stories. Our Savannah Hanau. <clears throat> Excuse me, Savannah. I'm getting choked up tossing over to you. <laughs> Savannah, okay. you're back with okay. those. Okay, I'm back. I'm back, Frank. All right, let's start with Google because the company is asking some employees to buddy up and share desks with one another. CNBC has learned the tech giant is asking cloud employees and partners to make the move at the company's five biggest locations. In addition, Google is also asking deskmates to alternate days they're in the office. Internal documents cite slow return to office patterns and the need for real estate efficiency. The union representing FedEx's pilots is one step closer to hitting the picket line. The union revealing it unanimously approved a strike authorization vote last week after contract talks with the company stalled with no future talks scheduled. But a strike would occur only if negotiations break down and the federal government authorizes a walkout. And Elon Musk expanding Tesla's presence in California. Musk meeting with Governor Gavin Newsom to tour Tesla's new engineering headquarters in Palo Alto. Speaking with CNBC, Musk, who has been vocal on his issues with California's business environment, offered fresh criticisms. Do you think California should be cautious about, uh, you know, having taxes and regulations uh, go too far? I'm not anti-California. I mean, I think... um you know, one has to strike a balance here and say, like, like there are a lot of good things about California, and then there's some challenges. And, um, you know, California, I think, could make it easier to do, especially manufacturing, uh, than is currently the case. Um, but, um, you know, I would encourage legislators to, to consider their actions, you know, in the long term. Musk moved Tesla's headquarters to Texas in 2021 and adds the new facility is effectively a headquarters of Tesla, adding Tesla is now a kind of dual headquartered company, Frank. Yeah, you know, the California governor, Elon Musk, they're kind of like a frenemy situation going on. Yes. Like, yeah, it, it seems like yes. there's some tension, but we got to hang out a little bit. Right, exactly. Savannah, we got to hang out a lot. No a frenemy lot. situation right. here. We're just friends. <laughs> Savannah now. thank you very you much. You got it. All right. Turning our attention back to our week-long look at Russia's invasion of Ukraine, that country in the world marking one year since Vladimir Putin launched his offensive, the conflict creating new problems for the global food supply chain, halting Ukraine's exports of grains, 
with the number of people around the world facing insecurity when it comes to food rising to a record 345 million last year. Our Juliana Tattlebaum is live in London with a closer look at the ongoing impact in the breadbasket of Europe. Good morning, Juliana. Hey, Frank, good morning. Well, that's right. Ukraine is often referred to as the breadbasket of Europe due to a number of key agricultural commodities that it exports. More than 55 percent of Ukraine's land area is arable. Just to give you a sense of the scale of their agricultural power, it's the world's largest producer of sunflower oil and before the war, the fifth largest wheat exporter. Now, prices of these soft commodities surged in the aftermath of the invasion, largely due to a Russian blockade at the Black Sea, as you mentioned, prompting fears over a commodity crisis. But thanks to a deal brokered by the U.N. and Turkey back in July, a safe grain corridor in the Black Sea made it possible to export again, which has helped lower prices. So here's where we are now. After surging to over $2,000 per ton last year, sunflower oil currently trading at just over $1,000 per ton, while prices of wheat have come down to around $7 per bushel from their March 2022 highs. Now, prices clearly do remain elevated, and there is still a significant backlog. So the situation far from solved now, but things have not deteriorated to the extent feared back in the early days of the invasion, Frank. So, Juliana, how has the war impacted grocery prices for European consumers? Well, Frank, to answer that question, let me take you to what we've seen in energy markets. We saw a significant rise in energy prices and in turn fertilizer prices in the immediate aftermath of the invasion. And this has had a major impact on farmers globally. So to grapple with higher input costs, many farmers in Europe were forced to cut crop production, which sent food prices sharply higher. So to answer your point, we've seen, of course, grocery prices in turn rise for consumers. Now, thankfully for farmers, European natural gas prices have now tumbled below 50 euros per megawatt hour for the first time in almost 18 months. Here's where we stand right now. Uh, However, the hangover from the surge in input costs experienced last year is far from over, with many staples still near record highs. Frank? Uh, Juliana Tattlebaum, live in London. Thank you for that deep dive into the impact on the global food supply chain. Juliana Tattlebaum, thank you very much. All right, let's continue this discussion now on the global food supply chain and global food insecurity one year after the invasion in Ukraine. Veronica Nye is the senior economist at the American Farm Bureau. Veronica, great to have you on this morning. Thank you for having me. So Juliana just kind of laid out some of the issues Uh, following the invasion of Ukraine. We saw big spikes when it came to corn, wheat, soybean oil and a number of agricultural products Um, here in the United States. Where are we at right now when it comes to demand, supply, prices and where do you see it going the rest of this year? Sure. Well, all of those commodities that you just mentioned are global commodities. So um, certainly in the U.S., uh, we're gearing up for planting season, um, but all of the prices are are determined in the global market. So all eyes are on what's going on in South America. Is Brazil and Argentina going to have big crops, small crops, Uh, certainly large producers of both soybeans and corn uh, to our south? Uh, As we look, though, at projections uh, in the wheat market, uh, we're looking at projected ending stocks, which is just the amount of wheat left over um, after all uses at their lowest level since 2016, uh, 2017. In the corn market, we're about the same as where we have been the last few years. So those commodity markets remain tight and uh, certainly very weather dependent, which is not necessarily the place globally we'd like to be right now. Yeah, you know, I would imagine that's not uh, we don't want to be in that situation. So uh, Ukraine's been called the breadbasket of Europe. 
Um, a recent report out of Ukraine estimates that the Ukraine farming industry has suffered about $6.5 billion worth of damage since this conflict started. I know you're more focused on the United States, but can you give us a sense or an estimate if this conflict were to end? How long would it take for things to get, quote unquote, back to normal in Ukraine? You know, that's a great question. Um, it's certainly not going to be tomorrow. Um, unfortunately, the amount of damage that's been done is going to take, unfortunately, years to undo. Um, we look at the damage estimates and they're saying over 84,000 pieces of farm equipment have been destroyed. They're looking at uh, a land mass that over, that's larger than the state of Georgia in the United States that's riddled with landmines. Um, most of that's going to be agricultural land. So it's going to take a long time to actually get uh, those areas safe for farming at its level that it used to be, let alone looking at the damaged infrastructure and of the roads in the port. So unfortunately, this is going to be a multi-year build back uh, for Ukraine's agriculture uh, and a problem that for the for global supplies right. of agricultural products for a long time. All right, before we let you go, Veronica, I just really want to shift the focus back here to the United States. Globally, we're seeing some of the highest food prices on record. There's a major global concern related to food insecurity on a human level. And of course, that's the top priority. But on a business level, what does this all mean for U.S. farmers? You mentioned some of those commodities are global. Are these going to be boom times for our U.S. farming industry? Well, the, the last report certainly spoke to fertilizer prices, and that continues to be an issue. Um, farmers are continuing to see uh, input prices uh, led by fertilizer continue to be high. Fertilizer is also a global commodity, and a, a good portion of it comes from Russia. So we're seeing some, some continued disruptions in the fertilizer markets, which end up uh, increasing food prices. And unfortunately for, for farmers, there isn't a lot of room to absorb those increased input costs. So they end up in the end, the end result is they end up in higher food prices. Um, agricultural production is a long process. Right. And so uh, unfortunately, we look at um, those high prices having a long lasting impact on food prices. Even when they start coming down some, you, you see a long lag and those prices still being reflected okay. at the grocery store. All right, something we'll have to continue to watch. Veronica Nye from the American Farm Bureau. Thank you for being here. All right, coming up on WEX, a first look at earnings from Alibaba and what they mean for investing in Chinese equities. But first, as we head to break, some of your top trending stories. Dairy milk farmers may be up in arms this morning. The FDA issuing new guidance on how brands should identify plant-based milk alternatives, including almond, oat, and soy milk, saying they can be legally called milk, but should also include a statement explaining how it compares with dairy milk. Apple making major moves in its no-prick blood glucose tracker for the Apple Watch, saying it now believes it could eventually bring glucose monitoring to the market. The product could be a boom to millions of diabetics around the world and help establish Apple as a powerhouse in healthcare. And the U.S. housing market posting a $2.3 trillion drop in value since last June, its biggest decline since 2008, this coming after a peak at $47.7 trillion that month with the total value of U.S. homes declining by nearly 5% in the second half of 2022. Big change there. Worldwide Exchange, back in a moment. All 
right. Welcome back to WAX. Investors gearing up for Alibaba earnings out in just about an hour from now. That stock rising ahead of the tape. You see it's up about three and a quarter percent. But analysts are expecting the retail giant to post its slowest ever revenue growth, weighed down by rising regulations and COVID lockdowns, which have since been lifted. The question here, are Alibaba's struggles company specific or have they become more of a bellwether for the broader Chinese economy? Joining me now is Vivian Lynn Thurston, portfolio manager and partner at William Blair in charge of its Chinese investment strategies. Vivian, good morning. Good morning. Hi, Frank. So, you know, I think a lot of people are looking at Chinese equities right now, especially with the reopening, starting to pick up a little bit of steam. I want to focus on one of your mutual funds. This is a ticker WBIX. It's your emerging markets mutual fund. It has Alibaba, Tencent and other other big Chinese equities as top holdings. It's actually underperformed the U.S. market year to date. Are you seeing a breakthrough for this mutual fund and other Chinese equities coming up as this reopening picks up steam? Regarding the Chinese Internet companies specifically, um, we believe that the outlook of the companies and industry remain pretty positive, even though yet today the performance being quite uh, volatile. And the key driver, as you kind of mentioned earlier, that the China reopening remain a very important a growth driver for those companies. So we expect those companies' earnings and profit will continue to rise compared to last year. Having said that, uh, regulatory backdrop remains another very important factor to watch. Uh, we have seen the improvement of those regulatory measures around different industries so far, but that remains another factor that we need to monitor closely. And then the other piece we, I want to mention is the U.S.-China relations, how that impact the investor sentiment towards those companies. I think yet today, some of the underperformance was also driven by those increased, uh, I would say, concern over the U.S.-China relations, which tend to impact okay. those companies. Yeah. All right. We're going to hit on some of those points again. I'm glad you brought them up right now. But I want to circle back to this just reopening for just a minute. Here in the United States, we had COVID lockdowns, but a lot of us just bought things online and we just kept buying and buying and buying. And then when the reopen happened, we wanted services and experiences. Um, obviously, reopening in China is a rising tide, but will it lift everything equally? Or are there certain areas you expect to see the bigger boom, whether it be goods, services or somewhere else? Yes, you raise a very good point. Uh, China Internet companies and industry went to a very different path in 2022 versus other uh, global Internet companies, given that China was in this sporadic, um, prolonged lockdown in 2022. That impact uh, all the consumer activities and business sentiment and consumer confidence in a very negative way. So as a result, across a different segments within internet, including e-commerce, online gaming, and also online advertising, we see either decline or very substantial deceleration in 2022 versus the previous years. For example, online gaming and online advertising is first time we saw the decline of those two industries in the last 10 plus years or ever. And e-commerce also decelerated to low single-digit growth versus previous double-digit growth. So the phenomenon in China actually was more impacted by the prolonged lockdown and the reduced sentiment. All right. I do want to focus on this U.S. tension with China or the tension between the U.S. and China, I should say. Um, How does that impact investing in these Chinese equities? Does that add risk to the idea or any thesis about these companies? Yes, uh, the sentiment will impact the risk premium of the global investors when they look into the certain uh, asset classes. So in China specifically, as the investors start to get more concerned about the U.S.-China relations, that tend to impact the uh, risk premium, which increase the discount rate for those uh, asset class and, and companies. Therefore, we saw the value and of stock price of those companies went down, even without the changes of their future earnings. 
All right. Vivian Lynn Thurston from William Blair. Thank you for being here. Hope to have you back. This reopening story and the story about Chinese equities just getting started. All right. As we head to break during February, we are celebrating black heritage with some of our CNBC teammates, contributors and business leaders. Here is Compass founder and CEO Robert Refkin. I know that I'm only here today because incredible black leaders paved the way by creating opportunities for me and my generation. I remember my early 20s on Wall Street, trailblazers like Vernon Jordan, Bill Lewis, Ray McGuire. They were an example to me of what was possible. And they gave me advice, mentorship, and ultimately the confidence and motivation to pursue my dreams and found Compass. I'm going to work as hard as I possibly can to be a positive example for others of what is possible. All right, welcome back. Time now for your WEX wrap-up. Six stories you may have missed as we close in on the 6 o'clock hour. The National Transportation Safety Board will release its preliminary report today on the Norfolk Southern train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg will also visit the area today in his first visit since that incident. NVIDIA beating on earnings and revenue as its CEO says AI is at, quote, an inflection point as more businesses buy NVIDIA chips to develop machine learning software. The DOJ moving forward with its antitrust probe into Google Maps, according to reports, targeting its control of digital maps and location data. The investigation is ongoing and the suit could be filed this year. Dan Loeb's Third Point planning to launch a proxy fight against Bath and Body Works. Third Point, which owns more than a 6% stake in Bath and Body Works, is seeking to address what Loeb says is excessive executive pay and lagging financial performance. Wells Fargo laying off hundreds of mortgage bankers just days after rewarding some with the California retreat. The layoffs were announced on Tuesday as part of a sweeping run of cuts due to the bank's recent strategic shift. And Spotify launching a new AI feature called DJ to better personalize the music listening experience for users. The feature will deliver a curated selection of music alongside AI-powered commentary. Also gearing up for the trading day ahead on the economic front, we've got initial jobless claims and the latest read on real GDP, both at 8.30 a.m. Eastern. Earnings roll on from the likes of Alibaba, Beyond Meat and Warner Brothers Discovery. We will also hear from two Fed leaders following the release of those FOMC minutes yesterday with Atlanta Fed President Raphael Bostic and San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly both speaking. All right, with all that, let's dive into the trading day ahead and the moves you need to make with Simeon Hyman, ProShares Advisor, Global Investment Strategist. Simeon, great to have you here. Thanks for having me. All right, so we just touched on those FOMC minutes yesterday. Um, Mixed reaction from the market. We saw the S&P slide a little bit, the Nasdaq rise just a little bit. Um, But a lot of investors right now, they're they're very concerned about inflation and interest rate hikes, of course. What did you think of what you, you heard from those minutes yesterday? And is it changing how you're balancing portfolios? The minutes were just a smidgen more hawkish than, you know, what we heard initially when the Fed made their decision at the beginning of February. But that was actually aligned with what actually happened in the market the last month. The world got slightly better. Interest rates went up a little bit. Um, So I think having the minutes be consistent with that meant that the market had already sort of assimilated uh, a slightly either softer, perhaps no landing scenario. Really? All right, so we played some Jim Chano sound earlier, a noted short seller. He believes that the tech rally that we've seen so far this year and the overall rally we've seen so far this year has been pushed up by lower quality stocks, his words. What are you making about tech stocks right now? Do you think they're investable? Are you putting money in there? Are there certain areas that you're more focused on? Can we be specific? Are we talking fintech? Are we talking mega cap tech when you look at tech? I think the challenge here is that 
now that we have stabilization of longer-term interest rates, that you're not going to get either a contraction in multiples or an expansion of multiples. So if multiples are range-bound, it's all about earnings. And by the way, one of the benefits that we've seen in the market is just slightly, again, consistent with those minutes, just slightly better earnings, but still at risk. We see a mixed bag. I think the key here is to focus on quality. If you're considering how to re-engage with technology, because the deep value call of 2022 has probably passed us by, right. you have to think about quality. You know, for us, that's about a little bit of a surprise application of a dividend growth strategy to the technology space. We have our, our ETF ticker, TDV. It's the S&P Technology Dividend right. Aristocrats. Folks are familiar with that in regular stocks. But they may not be familiar that the strategy works in tech. And importantly... Well, give us an example of one of those holdings. An example, MasterCard and Visa, surprise holdings. Very stable processing companies. And the key here is the signal of the dividend growth. If you look at tech lately, there's been a couple of sugar highs. Mm -hmm. Job cuts. But that's a one-off. Right. And buybacks, they tell you good times happened yesterday. But the, the tech companies that are consistently growing their dividends are giving you that bullish indication. All right. We're showing the Visa MasterCard chart right now. Speaking of dividends, two other stocks I want to ask you about. Deer raising its dividend, Intel just slashing its dividend. How does that change in your mind the investability of these companies? It's a very important sign. You know, indeed, it, it's almost like earning surprise because when a company increases its dividend, it's telling you that it's particularly confident in the future probably a little bit more confident than the market was the day before. Um, but, but a cut tells you the exact opposite. A cut, you never want to cut a dividend. Historically, companies that cut their dividends underperform not just on the announcement, but even going forward. Um, so it really is an important indicator. Uh, and if, you, if a company cuts its dividend, it's, a, it's more than a red flag. All right, so the day before yesterday, we had the worst market day of the year. Yesterday kind of mixed fractionally to the upside and downside for the S&P and the NASDAQ. Futures up today. What are you expecting following those Fed minutes? Do you expect kind of a delayed reaction in the markets? We also had other information. Uh, I almost said Fed Chair Yellen, but Treasury Secretary <laughs> Yellen uh, told us that the world was slightly better than we expected. Right. So, again, I think the economic news is just a little bit better than people anticipated about six months ago. The ear earnings are absolutely at risk, though. So I think eye on earnings is really the key here. What we've seen is margin compression. So far in earnings season, we have 5% top line for the S&P 500 with Q4 almost wrapped up, but minus 1% on the earnings front. By the way, halfway through, it was minus 3, so again, a slight improvement. But it's fragile earnings that are the key to the story here. I think the multiple piece is well set for 2023. All right, we've got to leave it there. I'm going to start calling you Simon uh, Simeon, friend of the show. Great. Thanks for coming in. Always great to have you here in person. All right, that's going to do it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. Squawk Box, coming up next. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange, our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. 
or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.